0: I'm Sarah Burke, and this is the Women in Media podcast. My guest this week is an artist in many ways, uh, music, literature, visual art, theater, TV, film, and fashion. Please welcome Vivek Shreya. How are you?
1: Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm good.
0: You've had the biggest week. You're doing press everywhere. The fact that you fit me in, I'm I'm honored. <laughs>
1: oh, no, thanks for making time for me. I mean, it's such a good problem to have.
0: Two days away from your series launching on CBC Gem, how to Fail as a pop star. How do you feel?
1: I feel like I'm in the eye of the tornado. Like, I'm just like, oh, like, it's happening, it's happening, but I hope people watch and I hope people like, like, it's like excitement, but nervous, like, yeah.
0: (laughs) And I mean, the story, it's based on a play that you've already done. It's it's based on a book that you've already put out. So it's just really bringing the storyline to new ears, new eyes, I guess.
1: Totally, yeah. We launched the play in 2020, two weeks before lockdown, which is why yeah, and then somehow in the past few years, I've had the privilege of touring it, like, and performing it, like, 40 times or something like that, and, yeah, now it gets to exist in a totally different way. So, yeah, I've been in this sort of, like, pop star world for, like, four to five years.
0: Yeah. And you're also a professor. I mean, you do so many things, and I just want to commend you. Um, The writing is incredible in this series. Oh,
1: Thank you. That's really nice. I love a writing compliment. That's really nice.
0: When did you first start writing? Like as young as you were when you started singing? Was it before or after? You
1: know, it was around the same time, maybe earlier. I mean, I think if you're if you're um like marginalized or different in some way, it's it's the arts that tend to appeal to you and I think maybe it's just because like Art teachers tend to get you a little bit more. You're a little weird, you're a little strange. So they're willing to like invest a little bit more energy. I mean, I've taken up like more weightlifting in the past few years. And I've, I've been thinking about like, you know, if only my gym teachers saw some potential in me, maybe I would have been an athlete. But instead, it was like my language arts teachers or whatever. But yeah, so I remember like, I have to credit my English teachers um, just being the most attentive to me. And so, of course, surprise if you have a teacher that's attentive to you then you actually learn to care about what you're doing. So I remember writing all kinds of like poetry and lyrics and that kind of stuff in grade seven and eight and nine um, before I even started writing songs. And again, I think it was less about being interested in English and more that somebody was showing me some kind of nice attention. <laughs> uh,
0: no, I get that. And I grew up in the performance world too. Like I did all the dance competition stuff and I actually went to an arts uh, public school you had to audition for and it was not the best for my self-confidence. I'll tell you that. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, I'm sure coming from the performance world, you understand this. Um, but yeah, you, like there was always a Jess Bliss. Was, it, was that her name?
1: Jessica Bliss. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. So, I mean, this will make more sense if you watch the series, but, um, you know, one of the characters, uh, there's, there's always like a cool popular girl or guy that you want to be, that you want to emulate. Totally. Take me back to like growing up. I feel like, you know, most of this is based on your life. So I feel like we're going to get so many pieces of you in the series, but you know, what were those moments that had to be there?
1: Um, I mean, I think one of the things I really wanted to show was a supportive brown mom, you know, like I think, especially with like immigrant stories and whatnot. You know you always have like sort of like a strict conservative you know narrow-minded parent and i really wanted to show in 2023 i'm like we've seen that before Look, let's see a different you know version of a, a brown parent and you know my mom was conservative in her ways but she was also she was like the biggest fan of my singing she you know she was always like you have a golden voice and so that felt really important to show I'm trying to think of what else was really important. Well, the
0: failures. I mean, you put that right in the title.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the like, I think it was really important to show somebody who has big dreams, but like it doesn't work out. I think we, we tend to obsess a lot about success stories. And even when people talk about their, oh, I got rejected 10 times before I got this role, it's still to sort of like emphasize their success as opposed to talking about those rejections. Um, and you know, you know, as a creative person, like for every success story, there's like a thousand stories of failure and rejection. Yeah. And uh, to me, I'm, I'm, I'm really drawn to the hard conversations. I'm like, what are, what are we avoiding? What are we not talking about? That, that's where I, I draw inspiration and failure, um, was one of those topics. And I mean, it's been so interesting. You know, talking about this project for the past five years, how quickly people like want to list their, my CV back out to them. They're like, "Oh, but like you're not a failure. You've, you're a professor. You, we've seen your Mac billboard." Like, and so again, to me, I think I think that comes from a well-intentioned place, but I do think it says a lot about our inability to allow each other the space to be disappointed, to to grieve, and to say, like, actually. It didn't work out for me, <laughs> you know.
0: Yeah, no, and that's part of why I created this podcast too. Like, I think there are two things that women don't do enough, you know, celebrating the wins and talking about the failures. And they go hand in hand.
1: Yes, exactly, exactly. It's funny, I had a conversation with someone this week who was like, in the way that we can't talk about failure, in some ways, don't you feel like when you're marginalized, you also can't talk about your successes? And I'm like, yeah, actually, that's true. Like, I find it very difficult to you know, be like, I am amazing, you know? Like, I mean, I, I have to do that kind of stuff on social media, but internally, I'm not like, this feels good. Like, it feels more like work, you know?
0: So, okay, going back to the series, what was yeah. maybe a more painful failure that made its way into the storyline? And how true was it to how it unfolded in real life? And, and I'm coming for the celebration right after.
1: Sure, yeah. No, great. Um, you know, there's a whole piece about my first album, and like it costing thousands and thousands of dollars and it not turning out the way that I had hoped. And that was a really hard one to revisit because I do think one of the hard things about being an artist when you're first starting is how to articulate your vision. And especially with music, you're talking about melody, you're talking about chords, you're talking about lyrics, like there's so many things that go into what a song is. And there's so many ways to do a song. And so I often look back on that moment in my career and I'm like, mm, I should have just done a three track demo. Like, whenever I'm talking to young artists, I'm like, don't make an album. Like, don't make an album until you've demoed like hundreds of times and you really establish what your voice is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me at the time, the advice that I was getting is like, I need to make a record if I wanted to, like, you know, get to the next step and, you know, a full length album that, like, just in the end, like, the true stories are like we even shelved it. Like I never actually put it out because oh. I just I just felt so embarrassed. Like it just didn't feel like me and even my friends were like, This is not good. <laughs> is this sort
0: of where like the the, the Ricky Martin isms came in <laughs> in the No, in the I mean series? that
1: was like from the talent competitions, but yeah, this was more like I feel like the first record I made sounded just very like cancon of that time, yeah, which true wasn't my right sound. Like I think again Being a brown musician, it's been hard for people to figure out where to place me. It's like, what are you? And so I think, you know, with my first record, it was like, well, let's throw on a lot of guitars and turn you into, you know, Nickelback or whatever. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I hear that. I'm thinking about how many young people will probably watch this and be able to identify it with it. You know, there's also a lesson to be learned there in like understanding that you have more to learn and grow before you put out something that you stand for, right? How young would you have been when you put out the oh first God, record? I was
1: 21 and I think about this a lot. Like I think about the fact like we, we again, we tend to celebrate the ingenue. We like the like Fiona Apple got discovered at 19 and her demo was like, you know, a genius. Like we like the genius from the gate yes, yes. story. And what we don't talk enough about is like actually to build a craft to get to who you are as an artist. The Fiona Apple story is actually an anomaly. Most of us, it takes us time to find our voice. And that's actually a beautiful thing. Like, the truth is, if I didn't put out that record, I wouldn't be making the albums I'm making now. That record was one step towards trying to figure out who I was, but that wasn't the conversation, right? Like, one of the things that we don't talk about is that Janet Jackson's big album, that, like, her big breakthrough, Control, which, you know, had Nasty, What Have You Done For Me Lately? Oh, Sorry, so I good. the year you were born. I'm, like, 42 years, so... But like for me, um, that album is actually her third album. So it's, you know, she had two other albums that like kind of were big successes and we never talk about it. And again, I think if you are surrounded by a certain kind of privilege, you're a Jackson, you know, like you you can, you have the opportunity to fail, right? You have the opportunity to get another chance. Yeah. But I think when you're not on that level or don't have certain kinds of privileges, there's so much pressure for you to be great, from the gates. and that's just that's that's just not reality for most of us
0: well you, know? you even think about someone in an office setting okay totally different line of work and being confident in your own skin in a boardroom 21 totally. versus 41 it's going to be different right
1: totally totally yeah. even the idea like one of the things I'm, I'm realizing being my 40s is like the idea of imposter syndrome right like how i approached like art or work in my 20s but in my 40s it's like i've been around i'm like a tree you know like (laughs) it's 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 not like i don't feel insecure or anxious but i'm able to be like i have 20 years of experience at this point right and it's like again we don't we don't with the emphasis on youth um and that early success we just it's such a loss because you know i'm looking at someone like Beyonce. Who, you know, has been around since like nineteen ninety seven and now she's playing stadiums and you listen to Renaissance and you're like, This is an artist at the top of her game.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: we've allowed her to grow. We've allowed by staying with her, by being a fan, by you know, following her ups and downs, we've we've allowed this artist to, to be who they really are. And now she has the space to do that. And we we don't really give that to a lot a lot of artists anymore, right? Like it's sort of like you have to prove yourself in the first few albums and otherwise <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, and that's maybe like a beautiful um, way to look at even putting out this series. I hope that people will go and check out music and learn more about other things that you've released in the past, right? because
1: yeah, too. <laughs> you know, like
0: I'm just thinking about when you and I started talking through email, like I was getting ready to go on a summer break with this podcast and that's why we we didn't end up recording. And it's so funny how we waited a little bit and like little did I know what you were cooking up. I had no idea, <laughs> right? Go back again to the series and a moment that you're very proud of in the series.
1: This isn't in the show, but like for me, I'm just really like I find myself very proud of me in this particular moment. Like there were so many times I even after I realized my pop star dreams were going to come true, which was like in my late 20s, early 30s, I could have just stopped making music, but I still kept making music in my 30s. I was like, well, it's not going to happen the way I want, but I'm going to make a Christmas album. I'm going to make a Diwali album, (laughs) make a band with my brother. I'm going to just, I'm going to keep showing up for music. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to even write a play about how I didn't succeed at music. And then I got to be here. And so for me, I'm just like, wow, like your, your love of music and your willingness to show up for music, even though you didn't achieve the things you wanted, guess what? It means now you got to make a TV show. So for me, I think that's one of the things I'm proud of. Is that like, yeah. you know, there there are some relationships you should let die, probably, but for, <laughs> for me in music, I I'm just really proud that like I just kept trying to find a way to, to connect with um, people with music. Because again, one of the things I mean, you, I'm sure you relate to this, but you just never know it's going to connect with an audience. You know, like you might love it, and it's you might wild. be like, this is the one. I never can predict those things. So yeah, that's I think that's the thing I'm I celebrate the most is Yeah, you know, my tenacity. And As commi- you
0: should. As you should. It's an incredible story. Um how apprehensive were you to, you know, talk about queerness growing up? Or were you not apprehensive at all?
1: In real life? Um, you know, so this is what kinda happened is like, well, I put out an album at like twenty eight, twenty nine. I realized my music career wasn't gonna happen the way I wanted. And so I was like, I need to take a break from music Music and I need a break. And so during that time, though, I still felt the impulse to be creative. And I started writing these short vignettes that would become my first book called God Loves Hair, which I self published. And that book, I started talking about identity for the first time. I started talking about being a gender non-conforming kid in Edmonton with like immigrant parents. And it was the first time I was like talking. About myself beyond like love songs or love stories and relationships and wow. um thirty years old, thirty years old, yeah, and it was wild because people connected to it right away. Like it's like here I was beating my head and you know against a brick wall with music can't make the connection, but people loved the story. And I don't know. One of the things that I think has been a good quality of mine has been that like a lot of people are impeded in the creative process they're like oh i don't know i don't know with that I'm imposter so syndrome and and imposter syndrome and so then they don't do the thing and i've never felt like i have the best ideas but i'm a finisher like i start something i end something and so when i was working on this book i wasn't like oh like what are people gonna think i don't know i don't know i was just like very compelled to tell the story i wasn't even like i'm a writer now," or, <laughs> you yeah. know like i want to be a heather's like it was none of that it was just like i wanted to tell the story and so talking about who I was at that particular time in my life, actually just came very natural to me. Um, and maybe that comes from songwriting as well is like, like, I'm so used to people are like, Oh, you know, you, you're so vulnerable in your heart. And it's like, when you, when you start your career as a musician, like all, you know, is singing from your heart, you know? So I mean, to answer your question in a more succinct way. Like it felt quite natural to talk about my like, weirdness. It, it, I didn't have a lot of hesitations about it. It wasn't something that I was like worried about in.
0: Tell me more about your mom, because your mom has obviously like played such a huge role in not only the series, and I feel like I got to know her through the series, but um, just in in you know how you walk through life.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I was less worried about talking about my identity than I was like, what does what's my mom going to think of this? <laughs> <laughs> just like I was like, what's my mom going to think about this show? I mean, yeah. yeah, like she's been such a huge inspiration for me. I feel like one of the things I'm so lucky is that. I never grew up in a house where my mom was like, this is for boys or this is for girls. You know, it was never like that. If I was interested in her makeup, if I was interested in her jacket, she was never like, no, 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 this is for, for women only. And I'm people often ask me like, what can parents do? And I'm like, this is what my mom did. And it made a huge, huge difference was like not growing up in a gendered environment in that way.
0: Wow. Um, yeah.
1: I also just feel like I think a lot about my mom as a leader, as someone who, you know, in our religious community. She was never the one at the microphone she was never the one like you know doing this kind of thing she was always the one in the you know doing the hard work you know in the kitchen cleaning cooking and she never got any credit and i'm like yeah that that's also leadership right there's many ways to bring change and sometimes it means using your voice like this but sometimes it means using your voice and your your abilities in other ways and so i always try to try to remind myself that there's important work to be done That will go unnoticed, that will be uncredited, but that's still just as meaningful, if not more meaningful. I'm Debbie Travis. And I'm Tommy Smythe. And this is Trust Me, I'm a decorator. We're now podcasters. And why did we call it that? Well, you know us as decorators. But we've got lots more to share. We want to talk about travel and relationships. We're going to have amazing guests on. Guests who inspire us for sure. We'll probably talk about design too. And of course, Tommy, don't forget about food. Oh my gosh, how did I forget about food? So please follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or as they say, wherever you get your podcast. And we'll pop right up when we have a new episode. Wish us luck. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves.
0: when questions were asked about the gender non-conforming?
1: I was really lucky that my best friend from grade seven to twelve, I had like only one friend. Pretty much, we had lunch every day. We were both this well-nerved. is the
0: this inspired the character in the series for sure.
1: No, well, no, no, uh, no, that that's a different composite character. But this is you know this is the thing about TV that you learn really quickly is that like it, so many of the choices you're making are, are budget oriented. I mean, we did a lot with the budget we had, but <laughs> start having to shave down characters. But I had a different friend okay. from grade seven to grade twelve, and we were both loners, and we used to sit together and. Um, he ended up coming out the same time I came out as queer and I remember being shocked like I genuinely I remember being so nervous to tell him I had no idea and so I feel really lucky that like my best friend ended up up being gay and then then I found the smokers corner at the the high school I was at and I was (laughs) the smokers those will be like that's where the outcasts the riffraff like the weirdos so you know even now as an adult (laughs)
0: who's having a butt yeah
1: yeah exactly so um and and so it wasn't until high school like in grade 12 that i started meeting more people and like coming out more and um people were like really really accepting um again like at the time like i didn't have language like gender not performing you know i just kind of came out as gay i mean really i wanted to come out as bi but like that didn't really that word also wasn't accessible to me so
0: Yeah, and you did a beautiful way of telling that part of your story, I think, in the series. As people tried to shape you, there were just, you know, your character pushing back in the slightest way being like, hold on a second, right?
1: Yeah, one of the things that was really important with the show was, um, again, thinking about, I think about representation a lot, and I think about where we are, and and as someone who makes media, I'm often thinking, like, how do we push the conversation forward? And, you know, you have a queer character, a bi-character, trans-character, um, but I don't want the story to be about those things and like what I love about the show is that at no given time my characters is in identity crisis they're not like who am I like who's gonna accept me mom your character
0: is you gonna... comfortable yeah
1: yeah like my character who they are and at any given time like people in Vivek's life love Vivek for who he or she is in that moment in time and you know, it's sort of alluded to here or there, but it's it's just part of the fabric of who Vivek is, as opposed to it being like some sort of like crisis, which yeah. I think so often in media, like queer people, like I always dread, like, oh God, like when are they going to come out? When's the parent going to find out? When's this? Like it just, it's so stressful. And I actually even had in Calgary, we did a screening at the world premiere and I had a mom of a trans kid come up to me and she's like, you know, every time I watch a show with a trans protagonist i'm always bracing myself for the moment where the parent finds out and how the parent's going to react and she was like the fact that i could just sit and watch your show and have that not happen that there's no like impending rejection or confusion or anything like that she's like it just i, I hope you know how important that is and i'm like this is exactly it this yeah, is yeah you
0: know, it's almost like it's become a stock storyline in a way that it, it's just not needed
1: it's not it's not i mean i don't want to yeah i don't want to dismiss other people's reality like my, my path to, to who I am has certainly been challenging, but at the same time, I also think media is an opportunity to show possibilities. And what are things that we're not seeing enough of? And, and what we've seen enough of are queer characters in crisis and queer yes. characters confused. What we haven't seen enough of are queer characters who are like contained and, you know, supported and loved and, you know, confident. So that that's where I want to be right now. That's that's the stuff I I felt really important about. Like I felt was really important to the show.
0: And maybe we can talk a little bit about some of your other arts. Sure. I wanted to talk about fashion and hair and all of that stuff a little bit because all of those things are identity, right? And I think the most recent Pantene campaign that you posted really told that story. But I want to hear a little more about venturing into that space.
1: Yeah. I mean, I have done a little like brand slash modeling work now. I've worked with Mac. i worked with Pantene. Um, I tend to be like very selective. And part of it's like my, my relationship to influencing, if you want to use that word, is more like as a 90s kid, like it's more about modeling. You're <laughs> like, like, cool, I, be,
0: I get to be on the cover? Awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like I want to be a model. Like I don't want to be like, hi guys, today I use this. And it's really nice. Like, again, that's not to like People who do that kind of work, that's yeah. very hard work. And I get that. But for me, I'm like, I want to be Naomi Campbell. Like, give me something and let me pose
0: with it. You know, I want
1: to use my face. You want to use my hair. Let me do that. Like, I, it's less about selling a product and more about like feeling pretty in a fashion yeah, shoot. Yeah. <laughs> what makes you feel like you? Exactly. Exactly. And again, I think part of it is like, I come to it through art, right? I'm an artist first and foremost. And so, Part of it is also out of respect for the people who follow me and have to engage or who choose to engage with what I'm putting out. And so I want to make sure what I'm promoting, um, feels aligned with who I am. And so like, you know, working with Mac was such an easy yes, because I use Mac makeup, you know, I, I love their makeup and same with Pantene. Like I've had people be like, I have no idea what your art is. I've never listened to anything you've done. I just came upon you because I liked your hair. And I'm like, great. Like, so, like, hair is such a big part of like my quote unquote brand. And so, Pantene, there was a lot of alignment there. So, I've really enjoyed doing that work. I'd love to do more of that work. But again, I think that there is more and more in that world. It seems less about modeling and more about influencing, which is like not. Yeah. Not my 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 dream, so to speak. <laughs>
0: Are you rocking a shoulder pad there, by the way?
1: I sure am, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I, I remember you saying in one of your interviews, like, yeah, my mom always was so fashionable, always had the shoulder pads. Yeah, no, exactly. What does your mom think about the series? I, I wish I asked you that earlier.
1: <laughs> you know, they came to the launch, and they were so quiet, my dad and my mom, and I was like, oh, man, like, did you hate it? Like, what did you think? And it's so weird. Like, my mom talks about the mom character as though it's not her like she's like I love that lady she's so funny <laughs> and, like that lady is in the person who's like you like I don't know if she it's you know it's one of, and I don't know if you can relate to this but sometimes I'm like we have weird jobs like we have very weird jobs that are hard to explain to our parents and I feel like
0: oh yeah I can relate
1: only imagine what it was like for my mom to sit in a theater watching a person play her like that's <laughs> very normal to me in some ways like it's it's weird, but it's also like I have other friends who made shows about their life, like you know. But for my parents, I think it's like a little bit odd. But she did send me a message later, just saying something like, you know, we were really overwhelmed, but I really hope that this show becomes a statement of uh, it's like a parent who loves their child no matter who they are. And it was like, oh, that's oh, that's so beautiful. So, so yeah, nice. my dad meanwhile was like, did you know the Oilers won tonight? And I was like,
0: <laughs> Dad,
1: No, that that tracks.
0: that's hilarious are you into any sports
1: um no i mean sometimes i pretend i really got are you in alberta or are you in
0: i'm in ontario i'm in i mean toronto maple leaves we're playing our home opener
1: tonight i got into the battle of alberta like a few was it year last i was living in calgary and my parents are and i'm originally from edmonton so i was just like really into this moment i even surprised my dad like and we like watched one of the games together it was really nice i'm not like it's not really my thing
0: yeah yeah, Battle of Ontario, same, same. I, I get it. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: So I was reading a quote on your website from Vanity Fair. It says that your book, I'm Afraid of Men, is cultural rocket fuel.
1: If you're going to get a quote from Vanity Fair, why not put it on your tombstone, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, for me, like, it's so interesting, like, putting together a book like not my favorite thing and you know you can always tell a younger artist because like their bios are always like a page long and they've like listed every single thing that they've ever done and i'm always trying to keep it condensed and i don't know like having vanity fair like get behind that particular book especially i'm afraid of men like the title is so provocative and it really did feel like a moment, like that book for me. And also, you know, this fall is five years since the book came out. And yeah, I'm I'm not saying this to like be a narcissist, but like once a week, I'll get a DM from someone about that particular project and resonated um, what it's meant to them, which is so nice. And so, I mean, it's not my words, but if you're gonna say it, like I'll I'll use it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but your words
0: are in the books. You have a ton of books. Is there is there a book that you hold closer to your heart than others?
1: Um, My first book is really special to me, mostly because, again, I came at it from such innocence. I think one of the hard things to hold on to when you're an artist is the longer you do it, the more your goals become, the more it's the less it's about you, and more it's like, well, like last time it was a bestseller, so this time I want blah blah blah. It's like, like the second you know,
0: single, the debut album exactly, compared to the sophomore,
1: yeah. Exactly, exactly. Like there's so much pressure, and with that first book, I didn't go into it being like, I'm a writer now. I I don't know, like I didn't know anything about the publishing industry, which is really an act of love, and I think that's one of the reasons why I jump around Medium so much because I'm trying to recreate that innocence. I'm like, I don't know what the standard. TV like this is a <laughs> this looks pretty good to me so like awesome and but you know the next time I make a show which hopefully I get to c- continue to do it I'll be like well I better get to have a conversation with Sarah Burke and <laughs> family there's <and laughs> grandparents like we gotta raise the barn yeah you know yeah. Like, like with every project you lose that innocence right so I, for me God Loves Here is like probably one of the most special books for me
0: would you like to adapt your other books into series i
1: really really would i yeah. mean i my not so secret goal from pop is like i really hope that this is the beginning of or yeah like a, a, the beginning of like a new chapter in like tv and film i mean i've been making short films and i've been interested in tv for a very long time but like i just loved making this show so much Like i just from beginning to end i had such a wonderful experience and it's such a collaborative art form like books are so solitary it's just you and your mind and nothingness and tv is just like it's constant engagement and people are coming together to realize a story and you have people reading your words out loud which never happens with the book like you know people buy it and you have no idea i mean sometimes they send you nice messages but for the for the most part it's like it it feels such a it's such a lonely art and i think after covid especially um like where we are at this time like i really want that engagement i want to feel connected to other people and tv is like it's like it's constant connection so Yes, I would love to yes. adapt.
0: Let's put that out there. Okay. Yes. I have to ask you about the compilation. That's uh, part of this. Cool. Yes. Yeah. Saw you uh, drop the the tune with Julie Black. It's called Showing Up and...
1: And Julie Black shows up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: in your words, that's sort of about where you landed in music. And yeah. I mean, we've, we've definitely been talking about that yeah. uh, throughout this conversation. But I've had her on this podcast before. Oh, shit. And you also mentioned that she was a deep inspiration for you.
1: Yeah. I mean, well, first of all, my inspiration for being an artist in a lot of ways, I credit the bodyguard. Like, you know, it was the first time I think that I really experienced this sort of multi multi multi-dimensional like art project where it's like a film and the soundtrack and both go hand in hand and the artist is at the center of it. And I think there's a part of me that's just been trying to recreate that in so many ways as an artist. and. You know a few years ago i put out a book and it had a soundtrack and this is the first this feels like Popstar feels like the closest i've gotten to like recreating the bodyguard vision so yeah yeah um, it's been nice to put together this compilation of songs that are like some of them are from the play some of them are modified versions from the play some of them are like old demos that i read it for the show some are new songs so um showing up was originally written for the play it's like the closing track i really wanted to write something that like yeah just sort of like what happens now like you okay you're a failure now and showing up as sort of like the epilogue, so to speak. And it's also in the TV show. But when I was working on the soundtrack, I happened to be on a panel with Julie. And we actually met, she moderated my um, book launch for I'm Afraid of Men in 2018. And then we sort of, you know, like lots of respect and admiration, but like, you know, our paths had not really crossed. And then we were on this panel and I was like, Julie Black, you know who shows up? Julie Black. <laughs> yeah. been showing up? Julie Black. And we actually were having this conversation on the panel about the need to show up how to show up and so I just like reached out to our team and I'm like listen I'm putting up the soundtrack and I'd love to do like a special version of this track and it was such a beautiful day she showed up she like nailed it in like two hours like yeah. you know she's done such an Classic amazing job so much and yeah so it's, I still I can't really listen to the song because I'm like I've imagined this, this <laughs>
0: is this be, real is this real life yeah yeah, yeah. And, and showing up even though it's like such a simple concept it, it has so many meanings showing up Especially when we're looking at the pop star world, I think most people, when they get into that world, are showing up for others. But then you turn it around, and it's about showing up for yourself.
1: Exactly, exactly. And it, to me, it feels like the hardest thing. Like there's, I think, when you're a creative in the world, when you're having to like be your own motivator, your own boss. Like there's so much that's pushing you in the opposite direction. There's so many reasons to quit. There's so many reasons to stop. There's so many many. Re- I've had so many friends along the way, like back home or go get a degree. And, you know, and again, there's no shame in that. Like, I get it. And so, again, for me, the thing that I, I look back on and that this show is a testament to is like, at least this round, it feels like it paid off to show up, you know? <laughs> oh my god
0: hell yeah it did and I can't wait for the next series honestly
1: like, thank you Thanks I was so laughing
0: right from the first screen with just the black tile with the white text that says this story is told by an unreliable narrator I was like this is hilarious and it hasn't even started yet
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know
0: so thank you for all your art thank you for all your beautiful words and all your inspiration oh Funny enough, how your name first landed um, on my guest list for this podcast was because I do a little nomination thing at the end where I'm asking you to nominate some women in media that you would love to hear, tell more of their stories, people you love, admire, respect. And um, Who suggested me? It was Robin Stewart Oh, that's from so Women nice. in Music Canada. Yeah. Oh, well, that's really nice. That's really,
1: really nice. I mean, the people that I would recommend... There's a couple. One is someone who, like I would say, has been like a low key mentor to me, her name's Farzana Doctor, and she's like a queer South Asian author and um, yeah, she's written, she's like written four novels, I think, and a book of poetry and she has a few books coming out next year. Just like, I just looked up to her so much and she's just been so da- generous with me when I first saw published. I just like DM'd her being like, I don't know what to do, I have no idea and she responded with a long like email of like suggestions. And then the other people I'd recommend are maybe from the pop star world to so the director of the show, Vanessa Matsui, who's also a filmmaker she put out a film um, this year. I just I think she's so good at what she does. We could have a full conversation about her. I think she's amazing. And then the, the woman who played my mom, um, Aisha Mansour Gonzalez. Um, talented actress. It was so great. The three of us were on a panel for the Toronto launch and she was talking about how she related to the story because she sees herself as a failed dancer and how that was her <laughs> path. She somehow landed in acting and um, she she's just like an incredible human as well. So those would be three That's amazing. amazing color in media that I would nominate.
0: How close to the casting were you?
1: I was very close to the casting. You know, like I was in sessions just like watching audition tapes. My, my boyfriend would come home and be like, what is your life right He's watching, like, it's so surreal because, like, watching someone playing me on screen and he was just like, this is very strange. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've gotten so comfortable with, like, referring to myself in third person now, but, like, at the time, very bizarre to be like so which one do you like more which is it
0: (laughs) so good I am so inspired by you and your story thank you so much for the time today and big congrats on this series it's it's wonderful thank
1: you thank you so much and thanks for your questions I really appreciate it
0: this conversation was recorded ahead of the launch of the new series created executive produced and written by Vivek Shreya How to fail as a pop star. You can watch that now on CBC Gem. Check out all of Vivek's work in the show notes. And next up on the Women in Media podcast, I'm excited to share a conversation with Sangeeta Patel after her and her colleagues were given the news that ET Canada would be no longer. Thanks so much for listening.
1: I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favourite podcast app.
0: This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network.